Hey everyone, welcome to the second episode of the Tiny Missile Podcast. I am your host, Eric De La Rosa, recording from the always frigid Chicago, Illinois. In today's episode, we get a chance to sit down with Phil Tivitoski, the head of a new indie game studio based out of Chicago called Young Horses. Now, you may not be completely aware of who Young Horses is, but I can assure you that you've come into contact with a debut game about a regular old dad. That's right. I'm talking about the Octodad game, of course. Octodad was released last year on PC where it received lots of buzz and had a very impressive community built around it. The success of the game led the Young Horses crew to be invited by PlayStation to E3 and show off the port of the PS4 version of Octodad. Young Horses is now busy creating their sophomore effort, and I get to talk to Phil about what it was like to create a studio right out of college with friends, their key to creating a responsive community, how communication with the fans is key, and the pressure that comes with following up a success like Octodad. Now before we get into the interview, I just want to mention a couple things. You may or may not be aware that along with the podcast, Tiny Missile also organizes monthly indie game events here in Chicago. We wanted to create events to introduce people to new indie games, multiplayer games, co-op games, just fun party games in order for people in the community to come out play a game, have a beer, and meet some fellow indie game fans. This month, we are very excited to feature the amazing four-player free-for-all game, Gang Beasts. This month's event will be hosted at Emporium in Chicago, Illinois on March 25th, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. We'll have some great prizes to give away from both Boneloaf, who are the developers of Gang Beasts, and a couple of art prizes that we create ourselves, including pins and prints inspired by the game. We'll have music by Get Dizzy, that's three Z's, just in case you need to find them online. And yeah, it'll just be a really great time. Hopefully you'll meet somebody new, have a good chat, have a great beer, and have a fun time playing some cool indie games. The last thing I wanted to mention was that we now have a sponsor. We have been accepted into the Chicago Podcast Co-op, which is something that Cards Against Humanity set up in Chicago for local Chicago businesses and podcasts. This episode is sponsored by the Mighty Mighty Iron Galaxy. Uh, They make lots of games, and you might even like a few. In order to get the latest news on Iron Galaxy and their latest releases, make sure to follow them on Twitter at I to the G. We are big fans of Iron Galaxy here at Tiny Missile. Actually, in January, our indie game event was all based around one of their games, Dive Kick, and they were super helpful with donating things for the event. We had these really cool kickbox controllers, they gave out some Steam codes, they showed just a lot of gratitude for us putting together an event, uh, shows that they really care about their indie game community here in the city. Oh, there's uh, one more little note I just want to make about this episode, apologies for the background noise. Um, we had a little bit of a hard time trying to find a quiet space to do the interview, so you'll hear a couple background noises and people kind of chattering in the back. Um, but overall, I think you should be able to enjoy and hear everything pretty clearly. So let's get right into our interview with Phil Tibetoski. Thanks for listening. Um, cool, man. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, I know you, you went to DePaul for school, but where, where'd you uh, grow up? Uh, so I grew up in like Metro Detroit, Michigan. Uh, and it's a if you want to get like technicals like macomb sterling heights area yeah uh but yeah and i initially had gone to community college like i always knew i wanted to make games and whatever but i ended up going to community college for some of my initial like gen eds and stuff and then i ended up uh transferring all that stuff to depaul 
uh, when I found out about their games program. Um, so yeah. So were you doing are you were you already kind of into games and, and, and developing before you went into DePaul or um how did that work not out? An, not really into developing. I had done some like mod stuff but very basics. Very basic stuff. Uh, just like, oh, I'm gonna find this texture in a folder somewhere and change how it looks and then see what that looks like in the game. Uh, I did that with things like black and white or uh, Doom and things like that. Um, but I don't know. I always knew I wanted to make games, but I didn't actually start until I got to DePaul. Um, I also hadn't even started learning how to like really program until then either. Yeah. I had done some HTML markup stuff, but nothing uh, as involved as like C++ or whatever. Oh, cool. Um, so is that is and that's kind of where you guys got into uh where you met everybody from young horses right 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 um so there's a extracurricular program called depaul game experience which we just shorthand to dge and uh it had taken place the year before us uh and devil's tuning fork came out of that and that was another igf finalist for that year um but in 2010 uh they started one um and they just called it DG2, and the whole purpose was to create a game to put it into the Independent Games Festival uh, and kind of simulate what a real studio was like. Mm -hmm. So they had, we had two professor advisors, Patrick Curry and Scott Roberts, and they interviewed a bunch of people um, to be on the team. I think they interviewed like 50 or so people and picked 18. Uh, and then we just like, started i don't know everyone like threw in a one-page pitch of just like some idea they had uh and everyone no matter what their discipline was got to do that um, yeah and then it was just from there we just kind of like i don't know pitched them to each other talked about them and then went back and did it again and again and again until you got rid of like all those top of the head dumb ideas that uh aren't very good but you need to get through to find something that's good yeah uh and eventually we got down to three pitches that we liked and decided to actually prototype them so we could see you know are does any of these have any promise and the whole point was to make something super weird because that's what the igf kind of uh idolizes and uh so we kind of had the stipulations of you know no space marines no fps's no 2d puzzle platformer type stuff mm -hmm. that you see often enough and like we all like those games but we wanted to do something that was different uh and that's kind of what octodad came out of and originally the pitch was like uh being john malkovich simulator mixed with jurassic park uh <laughs> trespasser yeah uh which is like a i don't know if you've ever played it but it's a fps where you're like um, you have a lot of control over one of your arms, and a lot of things are physics-based, but it's in Jurassic Park world. Oh, uh, man, you got to check that out. Yeah, it's really funny, uh, but it's unintentionally funny. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, they tried to do something really cool, and it just ended up being really funny. Yeah. Um, and then we took that and ran with it full on. We're like, we'll make a comedy game out of this. Um, and originally, Octodad was, like, chilling inside the head of a like a cyborg and he was an alien at the time <laughs> yeah uh and he was like controlling him like men in black style with like levers or something oh okay okay uh and then eventually he was like oh it's an octopus in a guy's head and then well why don't we just put the octopus in the suit because it's funnier yeah uh and then we came to the whole like oh well he has to you know make sure nobody knows he's an octopus and be really careful about like what he's doing and just kind of try to fit in and that's when you were like, oh, well, what would help you fit in 
and uh, someone said, oh, what if he had a family? Um, and they didn't know he's an octopus, even though it was pretty obvious. Right. Uh, and it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, and, I don't know, the game got a lot of... Like, we, I don't know, spent a lot of time figuring out how he should move and like, how far should this joke go and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, but it took about five months to make the first game uh, with 18 of us. And, uh, I don't know, we released November 2010 and got, like, a surprising amount of attention from press and players and stuff because we released it for free. Yeah. Uh, and... Devin and John, who had made a game called Acid Couch before, uh, it was just like a weird flash trippy drug game, uh, and they had got some attention on uh, IndieGames.com, uh, and so they knew Mike Rose, who worked there, and so they just sent him a link to Octodad, and like he posted about it and thought it was crazy cool, which caused like you know Kotaku and other places to pick it up, and I don't know. Then we realized like, oh, we have something worthwhile on our hands, like yeah. something that maybe we should pursue further and do something with. So at that uh, at that point it was still sort of the um, the prototype in effect yeah. almost, right? Yeah. Pretty much. I mean that that whole first game is basically like a, a proof of concept. Okay. Um, because it's super rough and it definitely looks and plays like a student game. Yeah. There are bugs and it crashes and <laughs> all sorts of embarrassing stuff but it did a good job of showing people like hey this is what we want to do awesome yeah that's cool man so so from there like once you got that was that kind of that attention was that sort of what led you guys to just say hey like let's hunker down and, and actually try to make this into a game yeah that was a decent part of it i mean uh some of the initial goal or at least hope of the project in general was like hey maybe we could get a a studio out of this and actually do this full-time uh, independent um, thing just because that was becoming more of a popular path or at least something that was seen as viable um, I don't know at least in like a stretch I don't know because like at the time it was still weird to think that you could go independent um, of a publisher or whatever and make something and actually be successful yeah, because this was around the time of like Super Meat Boy and things like that were coming out where they were proving that that was a thing that could happen, but that it was still, uh, I don't know, a very unique thing. Yeah, like super early stages of it. Right, right. And so we just saw that stuff and kind of inspired by them doing that and decided, hey, maybe we could do this too. And um, but yeah, and then all the press happened, and which we were surprised by because we hadn't really shown the game to anyone uh, besides close friends before we released it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was definitely a surprise that so many people dug it, um, though we figured at least everyone would have to tell everyone they knew about it because it's so damn weird that you're usually just like, I need to tell someone about this thing yeah. that I saw. Uh, and that's something I think we try to do with all of our games is just make them so weird and uh, kind of, you like want to say, hey, like what drugs were they on when they did this? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Even though we weren't, right. but it's just like we want to elicit that sort of response from people with yeah. what we make. Totally out of the box, yeah. So yeah, sure. that's what that definitely all that stuff kind of culminated into us wanting to form our own studio. Yeah. So so what did that look like when you guys sort of graduated and and were were you all in the same class and were you able to graduate together and, and just kind of start that studio? Or what, what was that process like? Uh, some of us were still, so I was a junior when I started on the project, on the first game, uh, and so I was in the middle of my senior year, and some other people had already graduated that year, so it was like, 
when they started Octodad, they were graduating, and by the time they finished, they'd already been out of school, but some of us were still juniors, becoming seniors, so we were all like in these weird in-between states. Um, so when we started working on Deadliest Catch, or at least thinking about it, I was actually still taking, you know, four classes and had another job and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and that was pretty similar for like half the team, I want to say, maybe a third of the team. Um, we had a meeting at GDC the same year that we were nominated for the IGF yeah. uh, with like the whole 18 person team. And we were like, well, this is what we think as far as the makeup of the team should be for the studio. We obviously can't. It would be kind of unrealistic to think that we could have a 20 or so person studio um, and survive uh, financially. Yeah. Um, just because it's like with our current seven, uh, we did really well, but it's like if we had a lot more people than this, it wouldn't be something that was viable. Uh, and we kind of knew that going in that that might be the case. So we were trying to figure out who, like how many people do we really need? Who actually even wants to do this? Because some people wanted to go off and you know work at bigger studios or work on their own stuff or work outside of games. Yeah. Um, and or they just didn't have the means because you know a lot of us kind of it's like kind of getting rid of your social life for a little while. Yeah. To some to some degree. I mean, we still went on and did stuff, but uh, it was like okay, you're going to be in school full time. You probably have a job, and you're doing this uh, twenty or so hours a week. So, yeah, that sounds pretty nice. <laughs> that we did it, yeah. That we did it down to like nine people. Okay. Uh, that initially formed the studio, um, and that's when we decided to like run a Kickstarter and, and do all that stuff. Um, we did that in like summer of 2011, from July to August. We did a 30-day Kickstarter. Who gets that, basically? Yeah. And is that um, so? I know. I remember like going into a Target once and like seeing the demo kiosk and it had mm -hmm. Octodad on it. Yeah. Um, and was that like? I think that was. You know, I know it was coming out after you know the PC release and everything, but right. did that all kind of get the same attention from PlayStation and and making sort of the jump to that platform around the same time, or, or how did that connection kind of come about? So that came later. That came in 2013 at PAX East. We had talked to PlayStation before then about the first game uh, for PS3, but we weren't really, I don't know, we didn't, first of all, like, we didn't have the means to do it, and second of all, the game wasn't very good at the time, and we didn't think it would do very well um, on a console, Yeah. and we weren't really a studio yet, because this was at the same GDC where we got nominated, and everything was just kind of coming at us all at once. Um, so PlayStation didn't happen until 2013 at PAX East. Uh, when we already had Deadliest Catch kind of uh, pretty together, like halfway done or so. Okay. And uh, they were just like, hey, you know, we're doing, we're showing PS4 at E3, and we're showing all these new games, because this was like after their February, like, reveal of it, mm -hmm. but before E3 where they showed a lot of the games and what they were actually doing and stuff like that. Uh, and they just said, you know, we're doing this indie thing where you can self-publish and we'll give you dev kits for free and as like loaners and you don't have to pay anything and there's no consequences if like it doesn't work out. Yeah. So you just want to like try it. Um, and we felt like it was the right time. And so we said, yeah. And they sent them to us like a, a week later after I, we just ran through some paperwork and then 
it took us like a month and we got the game up and running and that's when they invited us to E3. Yeah. Um, that must have been pretty big. Yeah. Yeah, that was really crazy. Because, uh, you know, I don't know. I would think if you want to make games like one of your goals or one of your like things that would be awesome would be on, so be like on stage at E3 maybe, with it or have it be shown at the event and we somehow managed to do all that like super early on before we even released our first commercial game. Yeah. Uh, so that was awesome. And they're been, they've been super generous with us in general. That's crazy, man. So crazy to think about that, like you'd actually be up on stage there. That's sort of like the, I mean, I don't know what, what you can compare it to like in another field or whatever, but yeah, it's sort of like that championship ring almost to like be up right. there and like in it's front of everybody show. yeah totally yeah that's huge dude royal rumble <laughs> yeah exactly um so what's what's kind of cool to me is like you know for a while when the game launched and it was out and you know on pc that's where i had first played it right. um deadliest catch and uh you know i'd go on like reddit or you know, any, any place would be like the front page of Reddit or like Twitter or something. And I'd see some random posts, like, you know, just, uh, just a picture of some regular guy and it's, you know, a, a little balloon or something of like, you know, Octodad or, or, or a picture or a poster or something. And so I always thought it was really amazing how like you had, you had an entire like community around the game. Mm-hmm. And I guess my question is, is sort of, is that something like kind of calculated? Like, could you even calculate something like that? Or is it, was it just kind of happenstance that just somebody picked it up and it just kind of went wild? Well, I mean, ever since the beginning with the first game, any press or just person who contacted us with questions or interest, we always responded to like everyone, pretty much no matter who they were, uh, unless they were like attacking us or something. Yeah. Uh, and so I think like our intent to not at all discriminate by like size of your press outlet or whatever has always been a good thing because you never know where someone is going to end up later or if that outlet's going to become bigger or if you know and it's also just like a nice thing like they took the time to contact you why not respond yeah um because i would want the same thing to be done if we were contacting them you know yeah um so that's part of it and part of it is we went to like over four paxes we went to every PAX we could when the game was actually showable. Um, and so we've, and we went to a bunch of other events and it's been shown at like over 20 things with PlayStation. Uh, and I don't know, it's been a slower build than you might think. Um, but I think at some point when the Sony stuff happened, everybody was like, oh yeah, Octodad, I know about that. And like we, everyone was surprised at like the size of our community and audience and stuff like that. But we've, our, we've always been running a Twitter account and Facebook pages and keeping people around there and trying to keep people up to date. And we ran a blog for a while. Uh, we still have it, we just don't update it quite as often just because we're kind of in a lull right now. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, I mean, we've, always try to put ourselves out there talk to people about the game and be interested in what everyone else is doing and be a part of the community at large like it's just important to kind of know what's going on in game development and in independent development and participate in the conversations and that helps a lot because then people can say oh yeah it's Dr. guys or it's young horses and you know I know them and they're cool and people are motivated to talk about your stuff with everyone else if you're just a nice person yeah I don't know <laughs> Just be a nice person. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's that's a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, it's a small industry and people talk, so. Yeah, it, that's one of the things I definitely noticed, like, especially, like, just kind of following you on Twitter and, like, seeing, 
just the frequency that like you post whether it's a small <laughs> update or like right. i don't know talking to another developer or something it's just like constantly you know talking about something and i think obviously that always keeps you in people's minds keeps you pretty fresh you know yeah for sure or if like i don't know like if i see a game that i know um that i think is really cool and i know someone in the press who i know would like it then i'll like be like hey have you checked this out have you seen this and yeah or whatever, um, just to try and get cool stuff seen and shown that might not otherwise be seen. And then they'll be like, oh, I remember like Phil knew about this thing, or I saw him talking on Twitter about this subject. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the, maybe they're writing an article about it and they'll think about you and then want to include you or get your opinion on stuff. Yeah. Um, and the more you do that sort of thing, the more it builds and uh, more of a reputation you kind of build up. Yeah. So, That's awesome. I don't know. It's. Like I, I, none of us went to school for business or marketing or anything mm -hmm. like that. It's been kind of just talk to anyone who's done it before, figure out what they've done right, what they've done wrong, and try to, you know, act accordingly. Uh, and we're just kind of always doing that, always adapting and trying to be better at what we do and avoid pitfalls that other people have run into for better or worse. Yeah. Um, and it's just about being very aware of both, both very self-aware and aware of the industry and people in it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think it's like, I mean, even if you did go to school for marketing and business, I still don't think it's going to paint like the full picture of where you are anyway, you know? Right. Because you guys are on such of like a ground level of building like a, an entire indie scene, like where indie games are now compared to like, you know, five years ago, um, mm. is just completely different. Um, right. And, and how people interact with each other online, you know, you're talking about people like streaming on Twitch, Let's Plays on YouTube and you yeah. know all that stuff that you have to kind of keep track of so yeah it's just cool seeing like how people handle their different you know outlets i guess um and and sort of see the reaction around everything i think one more thing is like uh when octodad one was getting popular uh let's plays and youtube commentary and stuff like that was getting popular at the same time mm -hmm. and the game lends itself really well to that sort of thing and we didn't uh we didn't plan for that initially with the first game, yeah. but it just happened to be like a happy coincidence uh, that everyone really loved to play the game and like scream and yell about it while they do so. Yeah. And people really enjoyed watching that, and then it you know it kept kind of ballooning uh, in a weird exponential way where you know someone big would make a video and then everyone else who follows them makes a video, uh, and it just kept spreading that way. So YouTube was pretty huge for the game's popularity. Uh, both for the first one and the second one. I, I remember so, it wasn't it featured on like PewDiePie's channel as well. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's super nice and just contacted us and uh, was like, hey, you know, I'd love to play the game. Do you guys have a build that I could grab? And so we gave it to him. And, I don't know, being susceptible to that and open to new things like that that uh, some of the bigger companies are basically afraid of, I think is important to um, anything you can do when you're smaller to stand out and take advantage of stuff just because you're quick and nimble can like turn on a dime sort of thing. Um, so what do you think, well, you know, going back to like talking about um, being involved in the community and always kind of like reaching out, mm -hmm. you know, I, I saw the postmortem that you guys did on Octodad um, and a couple write-ups that kind of came around that time as well about the company. Um, I'm just sort of curious because I know you 
um, you sort of put out the company and, and, and kind of just give the numbers behind the game and, and sort of the process behind making it. Um, and it almost feels sort of like a, you want to include everybody in like every process of the company. So you're basically running like a transparent company at that point. Um, is that sort of a conscious decision to get sort of the community behind you and, and feel like they had a part in that success? Or, or what's, what's sort of the motivation behind doing something like that for you guys? That's certainly part of it, but it's also that like uh, other studios have done that in the past and it's been stuff that we've looked at to help us out to kind of gauge like, well, how good do we think this will do and how does it stack up against other things that are doing well in the market right now? Uh, and we were really appreciative of that <laughs> and whether it was like an actually open post-mortem that we read or if it was just talking to another dev and then like sharing numbers or information on things, it's all been a big part of why we're successful too. Um, or at least it helped kind of direct some of our decisions uh, and apply that to like what we're doing. So we wanted to kind of give back in that way and I mean it's to be blunt, it's also a good little press bump and it makes the company look good and uh, you know opens us up to other opportunities because you never know who will look at that and be like, oh, I want to get a hold of those guys. They seem like they're doing well. Yeah. And as maybe weird and I don't know if I should say shallow, but like it's just like a you know oh grabbing onto something that's successful. You never know what's going to come out of out of it. Yeah. Uh, I think that's one of the things. One of the bigger things I've learned from doing all this is that. Uh, you should always be ready for weird opportunities to arise and to grab onto them, whether it seems, even if it might seem shaky. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know the Sony stuff. Like we weren't know we didn't know if we could actually do that. We thought we could, and we had some estimates as to fact as to the fact that we could put the game on PS4. But we, you know, none of us had ever really made a console game before, uh, so it was really scary at the time. But we were like, well, this is like a huge opportunity. Why not at least try it? Um, and go for it, uh, and it you know turned in our favor. So yeah, totally paid off. <laughs> yeah. Um, so with that sort of I guess past success and and now moving on to, I know you guys are sort of starting to develop a new game. Right. Um, what's that look like? Is it is there a lot of pressure, sort of self pressure from you guys, or that you feel from the outside world, where people are like, what are they going to be doing next um, after having a success like Octodad? Well, even though Octodad was a success, we're still pretty small. And I think it's nice that we can kind of go through this without too much pressure. I mean, people are like, hey, I want more Octodad, or I'd love to see a sequel or whatever, but it's not an overwhelming uh, burden or anything. Yeah. Uh, it's certainly awesome to have people want more. I don't know. We, we have our own like personal pressure of like, how do we follow this up? How do we do as good or better than Octodad? Right. Like, obviously, we'll try to do better. We want to make a better game. We want it to get out to more people um but it's certainly scary like what if we don't what if it completely flops like you always hear about like a sophomore effort yeah sort of thing so we just kind of went into it the same way we went into octodad in, in that we wanted to create something completely new and different um because it is not uh it's not an octodad game uh and so we just all the whole team came in with a bunch of pitches we ran through them there had to have been at least 50 of them, I think, altogether, because the seven of us that are at the studio each brought in a couple, mm -hmm. at least. Uh, and we just ran through them all, and we're like, does any of this align with what we're all interested in working on and doing? Uh, not just in games, but in life. Like, are we interested in these, like, ideas and philosophies and things like that? Yeah. Uh, just to make sure that 
even if like one part of the game isn't like I don't know super exciting to a person, at least they have something else to grab onto and a reason to work on it. Just because we don't want anyone to be kind of bitter later. It's like oh, I got stuck working on this thing. Um, we just want to make sure everyone's excited and kind of gung ho, and there's like a unified vision. Because unlike some other studios where you like have a designer, a creative person, and they have like complete and utter complete and total control mm-hmm. over kind of like what the game is going to be like ours is a lot more shared in that everyone has like design input everyone has input into like what it sounds like or plays like or is present how it's presented like like the marketing stuff that i do i consult pretty much everyone on the team anytime we do anything like that mm-hmm. and are like you know does this seem right to you just conveying what we want to convey so we're just kind of working away at that and we went through the process again and had three prototypes and we took like two or three weeks on each one uh, since like, I want to say the beginning of October. And then at the beginning of this month, uh, we decided on which one we were going to do and now we were getting pre-production on that. Nice. So it's scary still. Like it's, yeah. it's interesting being back in a position where we're like, I don't know if anyone's going to like this uh, because we haven't been there in a long time. Because yeah. at least, at least during the development of Dadly's Catch, we knew people liked the you know basic idea, um, and so we weren't going to go completely awry or something. Right. Yeah. You still you already had kind of some attention and had that, right. you know, uh, prototype already in the works. So, because I mean, I guess it's nice because now we can say, hey, it's, this comes from the creators of Octodad, and there's like a little bit of uh, pull there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it could be it could completely like go over everyone's heads, or they just don't like it, or whatever. Um, so it's scary, but exciting and fun at the same time. And we're definitely excited to be working on something new after working on Octodad for like four years. Yeah. Because <laughs> even though we love it and uh, still have tons of ideas for like a possible sequel in the future, we're excited to be doing something different. Yeah. For sure. I, th- I think that's always going to be... I mean, with anybody that just makes things or is creative in some sort of way, they're always going to have sort of their attention split into a bunch of different things. So even when you are kind of focusing on one big project, right. I'm sure you guys have, like, tons of little prototypes or, or something that you guys... Just ideas that you want to kind of bounce off each other. Yeah, we all keep lists of... Or at least I'm pretty sure we all keep lists of just different ideas um, for things, whether it just be, like, a little theme or... Uh, a prototype or I don't know a lot of um, a couple of us do game jams and so make little games in those and so yeah that's awesome um, so I guess talking a little bit about um, you know the the new game and, and sort of making a prototype and and kind of testing that out a little bit I, I know you guys are obviously developing in Chicago now mm-hmm. um, was there sort of you know not growing up necessarily in Chicago but being in school uh, at DePaul in Chicago, was there sort of, uh, I guess, a reason you guys stuck around in Chicago for, you know, game development and kind of setting up your studio? I mean, all the people, we knew a lot of people in the industry here just from working on Octodad and uh, being at DePaul because, you know, guest lecturers and stuff would come in from the different studios like NetherRealms and Wideload before they sadly kind of were closed down um, yeah. and you know Robomoto and some other places uh, and so I don't know uh, we get like we interact with those that side of the industry as much as we do the independent side because they have you know so much <laughs> so much experience that we don't have that you can learn from like I talked to Josh Sway mm-hmm. um, and people like that from time to time Dave Lang um, over at Iron Galaxy 
just anytime I have like a problem that I'm really not sure what to do about or if I need advice or, or whatever. Um, yeah. And they're just cool and they're friends and you know. Um, so that like there's that, there's the industry here that we like. Um, and then we all like Chicago as a city in general. There's like, you know, no lack of good food and beer. So yeah. <laughs> um, and we all went to school here. So, I mean, I've been here probably like six or seven years now. Okay. So it's become home. Uh, and I don't know, we just like it. And it's not like LA and San Francisco have their benefits, but they're also like crazy expensive. And just like <laughs> the standards for everything are so high or at least like the point of breaking in yeah. i don't know yeah and new, new york is the same way like it's great but it's also super expensive like insane and so i don't know we just like chicago because it's like it's reasonably priced for everything and just like the culture is great and we were already here i don't know yeah <laughs> like i don't think anyone has like a great desire to move out of it uh out of the area right now and plus we're all uh you know none of us have families or anything like that yet chicago sounds good right now yeah yeah so yeah just i guess just to kind of get your thoughts about chicago too i mean i know there's uh, over the past maybe year and a half or like two years i personally have been noticing like a lot more developers talking about their projects Mm -hmm. um a lot more people coming out and sort of working and focusing on games in chicago do you feel like it's sort of like the groundwork right now for something that's maybe bigger again in the future? I know it's it's had sort of its its gaming past as well, but yeah. um, what do you think about sort of the smaller studios and everybody kind of setting up shop here? I think we have a lot stronger community than maybe the outside world often sees, because like when you think of places where game development happens, people don't often think of Chicago anymore, mm-hmm. uh, just because of you know the kind of fall of Midway and, and things like that. Um, but I think it's definitely growing and getting pretty cool around here. Like we have a lot of small developers around here now, uh, with Trinket Studios, with Battleship Brigade, and uh, the Many Wear Many Hats, with Oregon Trail, and uh, I don't know, there's just like a lot of people out here, a lot of like one-person teams doing cool things, and like Cards Against Humanity is here, Greg Woland from Threes and Hundreds, and a bunch of other hit amazing things yeah. <laughs> is here. Uh, I don't know. It's a great community to be a part of. Everybody knows each other. Uh, we go like every Friday we go out to indie, we call it indie lunch and get like 20 people to go to lunch together and make a restaurant real upset with us. Uh, but everybody tries to like stay in touch and um, play test each other's games and, and stuff like that. So that's like kind of an invaluable resource. Um, when you're a small studio and you can't afford a target audience or you're more like, oh, let's go ask so-and-so if they think what we're doing is cool and worthwhile uh, and play test it with them and you can kind of have an ongoing rapport about what you're working on. Yeah. Um, Because even if you have friends from like out of state or out of the country or whatever, it can be sometimes really difficult to like get them to sit down and play something for an hour and then send you an email that they have to spend 20 minutes crafting when they're also busy doing the same sort of stuff. Right. Um, So it's nice to have local people where you can just like con them into coming to the office with beer and pizza or whatever. Yeah. uh, And hang out. Awesome, man. Oh, um, it's it's really cool, and it's been definitely growing and getting better uh, the past couple of years. So I'm excited about it, and we have no plans of moving. So 
Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited to see what kind of comes of everything and how it grows in the next couple of years. I'm just kind of curious to see, uh, yeah, yeah, what new people kind of come out of it, and and yeah, just seems pretty cool. For sure. Um, so I guess what are what are the uh, the plans for the future? I know obviously you guys are working on a game right now. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that we can kind of expect from you guys, or, or something that you guys are, are sort of hoping to do? I mean, we're starting to look into stuff like having people come in and if they're students, like hang out with us for a day or whatever and kind of get an idea of what a small studio like this uh, runs like. Um, and I don't know. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're just going to keep making what we want to make and uh, hopefully that works out. I don't, we don't have any plans to get much bigger than we are right now. Um, we'd like to stay a small studio where everybody knows each other uh, and there's no need for middle management or whatever because everybody always knows what's going on. Yeah. Keep making weird games, hope they sell, and uh, <laughs> keep trying to like make the community better um, with things like Bitbash and uh, Indie City Games. Uh, and a couple of us have taught at DePaul before and I'm sure we'll probably do that again as kind of adjunct professors. I don't know, trying to give back to the people that kind of helped us get where we are. Yeah, that sounds fantastic, man. But do you have any other, um, maybe where people can find out most about um, what's kind of going on? Are you guys sort of uh, doing like a dev blog or anything on the new game? Uh, we haven't quite decided yet. Uh, we probably won't show anything for, I would think, at least like four, four to six months. Okay. Um, just because we're super early. <laughs> Or everything is just like blocks. Uh, yeah. But, uh, I mean, you can follow us at octodadgame.com, um, or if you want to follow me at ptibs on Twitter, or uh, you can go to octodadgame.com. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, great. We're all always talking about everything that's going on in our lives, so. <laughs> You'll get an idea of what's yeah. going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're not that secretive. Yeah. So if you follow enough, you could probably put put things together and figure out what's going on. Um, I've actually still been trying to figure out whether I want to have like a separate accounts for the new thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've kind of snagged them all early just in case. But it's interesting because we didn't start out with all our accounts being young horses. We started out with them being Octodad because the company didn't exist. Right. And so now it's like trying to figure out how to continue branding that and make sure people know this is all from oh, us yeah is interesting because yeah. people still call us like the octodad guys rather than young horses because they're not used to it yet right yeah that's so. almost like octodad sort of just took over the entire thing and it was like yeah now you're just you know the octodad guys right <laughs> so we're trying to figure a way to subvert that and make it young horses and make that more known uh but yeah well cool man well, thanks so much for hopping on the call, man. I really appreciate you taking a little slice of your day today. But yeah, I'm excited to kind of just kind of follow what you guys are doing. I think Octodad was a really cool game, so I'm excited thanks. about your next game. Um, and yeah, hopefully I'll just kind of see you around the city a little bit more. All right, man. Well, thanks, Phil. All right, thanks. Have a good one, man. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tiny Missile Podcast. One thing I did want to mention for this episode, we are now on iTunes. So, if you can, if you enjoyed this episode or the content of these episodes, future episodes, if you think more people might listen to these episodes, please make sure to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and leave a review through iTunes if possible. 
iTunes still is the head honcho when it comes to podcasts. So a lot of those other podcast players like Overcast, Simplecast, sometimes pull a lot of information from iTunes. So anything you can do to review and get the word out will definitely help us so that more people can discover our podcast. Thanks again to listening to this interview. To find out more about Young Horses, you can follow them on Twitter at Young Horses. Make sure to follow Tiny Missile on Twitter as well, at Tiny Missile. If you live in the Chicago area, then we have lots of indie game events scheduled for this year, so hopefully we'll see you out at that. You can find out more about those indie game events and our podcast at tinymissile.com. Thanks again for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time.